Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, join us Monday nights, ISU's campus. We'd love to see you there. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Austin Jones. But before I get started, if you haven't signed up for one of the mission trips yet and God is nudging you to go, please do not let your fears, your worries, and especially money stop you from signing up for one of these trips. I honestly wouldn't be here today if I didn't take a chance on a mission trip. And so please come see me afterwards. If um, you're on the fence for applying, I would love to talk to you more about it. But I'm just super grateful and blessed to be able to share with you all tonight. I want to share something on the front end that's not related at all to the message, but it's about the journey that I have been in on, that I've been on for a while that maybe some of you need to hear tonight. And that is that God has a plan for you. It just might not be what you're expecting. If you let him move through your weaknesses, your fears, your insecurities, he's going to take you places that you've never dreamed of before. When I came to encounter my sophomore year, I was not at all the person that you see up here today. I was extremely introverted. I had no confidence in myself or my voice. And let me just give you a recommendation on how never to introduce yourself to a group of people. Because my wife and I, Jessica, laugh about it to this day. And we were both RAs and we're doing the staff icebreaker thing. And Jessica recalls me introducing myself like this. Hi, I'm Austin Jones and I'm shy. That's literally what I said. Not quite sure what she saw in me, but we've been married for almost six years, and we just celebrated uh, my son's uh, first year, um, one year birthday. I can't even say first year. First birthday yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. But point being is I was just a different person back then. It's just crazy to me that I'm up here. Like, I would sit in that back right corner as a student, and that is as close as I wanted to be to the stage. I never wanted to be on the stage, not even uh, for senior night. It scared me. I thought to myself, why would anyone care about what I have to say? My voice really doesn't matter. I suck at public speaking, and I sound like an idiot. That is how I viewed my voice, and honestly, even to this day, it creeps up. But that's exactly where God wanted to move in me. He put people like Ben and Phil in my life, which I'm so thankful for, and I don't tell them enough. They pushed me to find my voice and gave me opportunities to grow. They never stopped believing in me, even when I couldn't believe in myself. Y'all, you need to surround yourselves with those types of people. If you would have told me that I would be working in campus ministry today, I would have told you you're crazy. I was wanting to be an accountant my whole life, like literally since I was in second grade. I know it's a crazy dream, but that, that was my dream, to be an accountant. But so my advice to you is this, is to take one step at a time, trusting him in the unknown spaces, because where you might feel unqualified or not enough might be exactly where God wants to move in you in your future. But all right, let's jump into the actual message for tonight. If you're new this week or just haven't caught on by now, we are going through the Lord's Prayer. And so we'll be camping out in Matthew 6, 12, and let's just start by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So tonight we're going to be camping out in Matthew 6:12, which is, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The NLT translates it as, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Now I want to tell you up front that this can be a heavy topic when we're talking about forgiveness, but it's so crucial to our faith. When we lean into our hurt, our brokenness, and the pain that is caused by other people, it's hard. But tonight, I just pray that Jesus will remind you of his grace that covers you abundantly, and I'm praying that for myself as well. So we first need to understand what is forgiveness. In the Bible, the Greek word translated the word forgiveness literally means to let go, as when a person does not demand a payment for a debt, that they are no longer holding on to any bitterness or vengeance towards the person that has hurt you in the past. But leaning into God's grace is about truly walking in God's grace and forgiveness every single step that you take, receiving and giving grace wherever you go. And the good news is, is that we have a father who personally knows us and is walking with us through the good, the bad, and the ugliness of our lives. So for tonight, I want us to examine ourselves and see where in our life that we're holding on to things that we need to be giving to Jesus. Because as we understand how much we are forgiven, it compels us to forgive others. So in Matthew 6, 12, I see that there are two uh, main different types of struggles that most believers have a hard time with. And the first one is accepting God's forgiveness for yourself. In 1 John 1, 8 through 9, it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Do you believe that, you, when, do you believe that when you confess your sins that God forgives you? That he washes you clean from all sin and guilt? that you are covered by God's grace. Like, do you believe that? Because for me, I struggled with believing that growing up. I wish I could say that I truly believed God's grace covered me. I think a big part of it was just how I grew up and my competitive nature. I played football, basketball, and baseball, and so in everything I would do, I would strive to be perfect. I strive to be the best in every single aspect. Even if we were playing a game of chess, my mentality was I was gonna destroy you mentally. And I'm pretty sure I told Zach Markopoulos like a week ago that I would also destroy you physically in chess, but I'm not quite sure how that actually plays out. But, yeah. But I just absolutely love playing sports. If you could put me in a time machine, I would do it all again. But the thing that I wish I didn't pick up so strongly was my inner critic and that need to be perfect in every single thing. When my coach would give me a compliment, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, good job, Austin, you finally figured it out. Like, kudos to you. What do you, like, way to win a prize. Um, then when he would give me a way to improve in whatever it was, I would fixate on that and strive to be the best that I can be and work my butt off until I finally got it. I would only focus on the negative because that's where I was a failure. And wow, how much of that mentality carried over into my spiritual walk. So whenever I sinned, messed up, fell short, and whatever it was, the voice inside my head would be like, why would God want me? Why would he forgive me? You should know better. I should be better. I beat myself up and was met with shame and isolation. I was trying to earn God's grace and forgiveness out of my own strength, and I didn't um, feel like I was worthy enough of his forgiveness. I looked like this man up here. If the ocean was all of my sin, I was trying to mop up all of my sin on my own, thinking that I could actually do it. He has great form, 
It looks exhausting, but also pretty ridiculous. I know I'm not the only one in here that has felt like him. We like to do this and convince ourselves that it will actually work, that we can do it all on our own. I didn't fully understand how much I needed to be forgiven. The good news is when we tell, G- when we tell God our sin and repent, we don't have to look like this man. God mops it all up for us. If the whole ocean was all of our sin, he has wiped it dry. So my question to you is, do you realize how much God has forgiven you? Like, do you realize how much God has forgiven each and every single one of you? Some of you might be thinking, you don't know me or what I've done. And you're right, I don't know what you've done or anything about you. But what I do know is that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are a new creation. The past does not define you anymore. And the things that you may have said or done are washed clean through the blood of Jesus. And what a perfect timing of this sermon where it's right after Easter weekend and what this weekend means in our faith. In John three sixteen and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus didn't just die on the cross for your sin. He conquered death to give you a new life in the Spirit so that we can walk in this freedom with no condemnation. Your past wrongs, your lust, your pride, your greed, you name it, whatever it is, he has forgiven you. And with this new life in the Spirit, he knows that this needs to be a part of our daily prayer life, to go to the Father and confess our sins to him and know that our, that our, um, our sins are forgiven, that you are washed clean from your ocean full of sin. And I believe it's in his example to pray because we need this constant reminder that we have been bought with a price, that we can walk in his grace and forgiveness with our eyes fixated on him and not our own sin. Because as we understand how much we are forgiven, it compels us to forgive others. The second big struggle that I think we can all see in this passage is that we struggle to forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do you have a hard time forgiving the people in your life who have hurt you or mistreated you? Do you just write them off and basically view them as dead? I know that's strong language, but that's how I have viewed people in my past. I just wrote them off and they're just dead to me. I didn't want anything to do with them. It's interesting to me in this passage that it's the only part of the prayer that requires something on our end for us to forgive the people who have sinned against us. And it's so key in our faith, and you see it throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And Mark, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. In Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness is so key in our faith. So why does God's forgiveness seem to be tied to our ability to forgive others? I think in Matthew 18, Jesus helps us understand um, that truth in the parable of the unforgiving debtor. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles uh, there or just look up on the screen, um, we'll be in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. So in verse 21, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. 
I'm going to pause there because here Peter is thinking he is being pretty generous with his forgiveness at seven times because in Judaism, um, showing forgiveness three times was sufficient enough. So he more than doubled that and tacked on an extra one for good measure. But Jesus is saying 70 times seven, so 490 times, or in other translations, 77 times. The number here isn't what is important. It's about forgiving as many times as it takes and not keeping a record of wrongs. Are you keeping a record of wrongs done against you? Are you keeping a record of wrongs done against you? Let's continue. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay it, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. When you all read scripture, do you feel like sometimes it just punches you in the stomach with its arms just wrapped around you? Because that's how this one made me feel. Because when I read this, I just wanted to slap the king's servant backwards and forwards and just knock some sense into him. And then I realized, oh, how often I am that king's servant. Both of the people in Jesus' parable owed a large amount of money that they couldn't pay off. One millions and um, the other thousands. So who in here, if you owed me a hundred million dollars, could pay that to me right now? No one can. That's, that's a crazy amount of money. It's an amount that you can't even set up a payment plan for because it's so large. And that is what Jesus is getting at in this passage. God has forgiven you more times you can count your ocean full of sin, a debt that you can't pay off on your own strength. So when someone sins against you, mistreats you, wrongs you, says something hurtful to you, or behind your back, Jesus tells us that we need to forgive them. There have been people in my life that I have felt like I have forgiven over 77 times. And it's hard to keep on forgiving them over and over and over and over again. But that's what Jesus keeps on telling me to. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And I know there's a lot of hurt uh, that sits in this room tonight from past abuse, whether it's physical, sexual, verbal, from bullying, gossip, slander. We can be so mean to each other with our words. We need to forgive those people, but that doesn't mean we just forget it and keep putting yourself in an unhealthy situation or not take legal action. Forgiveness doesn't always require conversation. Sometimes we need to just let it go. Sometimes we need to have the hard conversation with the person. And sometimes we need to go to the wise mentors around you for, and ask them for help. 
Forgiveness is giving it to God and letting go of the grip that it has on your life so that the only person that has a grip on your life is Jesus. Jesus wants us, wants to remind us in this part of the prayer to walk in his grace and forgiveness every single step that we take because as we understand how much we are forgiven, it compels us to forgive others. So how do we respond to this? I'll tell you an example of how not to respond. Don't respond like the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul addresses Corinth on how they were dishonoring communion. They were getting drunk off the wine and eating all the bread, completely missing the whole point and not examining their lives whatsoever. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God. We would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So how should we respond? Just like in communion, we need to remember God's grace and forgiveness over our lives. And we need to examine in our life where we need to personally ask for forgiveness and also who we need to show forgiveness to. Jesus wants us to examine our lives every single day in our worship and prayer. So tonight, we are going to give you an opportunity to do that. Because unforgiveness is not okay in the eyes of Christ, whether that's accepting God's grace on yourself and asking for forgiveness for yourself, or you giving forgiveness to someone who honestly probably doesn't even deserve it, but Jesus is still telling us that we should anyways. Because as we understand how much we are forgiven, it compels us to forgive others. And for some of you, this might be really hard. And I pray that you will lean into this time and lean into God's grace and let that wash over you. Because if, if you're struggling to think of areas where you personally need to ask for forgiveness or show forgiveness to someone, I pray that God will highlight some areas in your life tonight, and that's what you're walking away with. And I loved how Joe invited us to pray with open hands the other day, because so often I just want to hold on to whatever it is and not lay it at the feet of Jesus. And so what are you holding on to? What do you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? Who do you need to show forgiveness to? What are some rough edges in your life that God needs to round out? And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. He died for your sins as well, and he wants to pour out his grace and forgiveness over you and take the weight off of your shoulders that you have been carrying for way too long on your own. And so, as the band comes up and leads us into four more songs, we are going to give you some space to examine ourselves where in your life that you need to ask for forgiveness and who do you need to forgive. You have two cards underneath uh, your seats. One of the cards, I would like for you to write the things that you need to forgive someone else for. So for the first card, write the things you need to forgive someone else for. And then on the second card, I want you to write that you, um, I write a specific thing that you personally need forgiveness for. Then you can bring your cards to the front and just lay them in these baskets on the ground as just a representation of just giving it to Jesus, laying it at his feet. And also, you don't need to put your name on it. This is all anonymous. 
We will have communion in the front corners over here um, that you can take when you are ready to remember his sacrifice for you, that his body was broken, his blood poured out over you, washing away your past, your present, and future sins so that you can walk in his freedom and grace. And we practice open communion here, so if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to partake. We have a staff in the back to pray with you if you'd like to respond in that way as well. But I want you all to take some time to sit and just pray and talk to your Heavenly Father who loves you abundantly, asking Him to highlight some areas in your life that you need to release your grip on, that, you, that you're still holding on to, and that you need to give to Him and lay at His feet. So as we understand how much we are forgiven, it compels us to forgive others. Will you pray with me with open hands? God, I just thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for your grace that covers us abundantly. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Help us each to walk in your grace and your freedom, knowing we are your sons and daughters, and that is our, our identity is in you and in nothing else. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking our sin, our, what we deserve, and then raising us up to walk in this freedom. So God, just lift it all up in your name and give you the rest of listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.